This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 732, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you, who are awesome right now, because things suck, and thank you for listening. iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 732. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. We're back. We're back. We didn't go anywhere, but comics are back. I mean, I've literally been right here for months. <laughs> we are iFanboy. Normally, we read our you comic books and talk me. about them. <laughs> you know my address. <laughs> we talk about comics that we can read. We have fun. We talk about them. The script hasn't been changed, but it actually is vaguely normal right now. Right. Uh, so there are comics that came out this week. Not a boatload, but there were regular comics. So we're going to go back to doing what we used to do, unless we're like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do that. We're, we still have some G.I. Joe to do, so don't, don't worry about that. But I guess it's going to be hard to get back to normal. But here's your spoiler warning. There could be some spoilers in the upcoming books that you may or may not have read by now. I assume these were all out in shops because shops were open. They got them. Uh, I would assume not. Okay. Well, I've seen people go to shops this week in some places that they've reopened. So I don't even know because I haven't left, like I said. Either way, we got these digitally. Uh, and so these are new comics available for that. And it really was like you sort of jumping. I was like, oh, right, this story. And we're continuing stories, which was kind of nice. I kind of just figured they would reboot and start everything over. <laughs> be all number ones from now on. Uh, anyway, Connor, you had the pick. Go ahead. I did. So first of all, um, if you couldn't get your books this week, sorry for the spoilers. You can You can use the show notes and skip the comics discussion until you get your books. Second... How many books did you have, Josh? I had 12, which was a little bit of a surprise. I think 11, maybe 12. Yeah. I think 12, yeah. It kept growing on me. I thought I had six, and then suddenly by the end of it, I had 12. I did read some of the DC first ones that you issued, though. And I had two of those. Okay. Well, I, I had fun, though. It was, nice. it was nice getting back, reading regular weekly comics. And the pick of the week was Deceased Unkillables number three 
from Tom Taylor. Carl Moster, even though we know that's not how he says it, but that's more fun. See. Inks by Trevor Scott, Neil Edwards, Rex Lucas on colors, Seda Timo Fonte on letters, and this was the second pick in a row for this book. Well, I'm going to tell you what's funny. Although it was years ago. In my mind, I did, I'd forgotten or I had decided that this was not the pick. So when I was reading my books last night, I was like, how was this not the pick? And then I went to the list. I was like, oh, it is. Okay, that makes sense. Because I read it and I was like, come on. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of fun. There was some good books this week. But we've been on this deceased train for a while. As I said, the last issue was Pick of the Week. So two out of three of this, this series are Pick of the Week. We really enjoyed Deceased, the main series. That was one of our books of the year. And I got to the end of this story of the morally gray slash villainous characters trying to protect these kids. And then the reveal happened. And it's tough because normally I wouldn't care about spoiling the reveal, but people have, may not have read the comics. Mm-hmm. There's a big reveal that happens here that totally blew me away, caught me by surprise. And I went back and looked, and that character had been there the whole time in the background. Really? Not in costume, mind you, but still. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also narrating the story you know the, i thought about it it was like one of those slap you in the head moments where i never even thought about who the narrator was do you know what i mean like we're I, so used to narrators and these stories that i never even occurred to me to think who's actually narrating the story because somebody was from the from that I, camp what's interesting is that i hadn't until right before and then i went who is this talking and i kind of went backwards a little to sort of see if I could tell, and I thought, ah, it doesn't matter, I'll figure it out. It doesn't, you know, like, and I, I did have that thought for a brief moment and then went back to ignoring it, so it still had that impact. But I, it's funny, because I did have that thought right before it happened. That's really funny. I, I was just like, what? What? Who? I just, I just, you know, ever since The Dark Knight Returns, we've, we've had the, the narrator, you know. That's how this comics work now. And I say now, it's been 30 years. And so it just didn't even occur to me. In a team book, someone had to be doing it. Mm-hmm. Turns out it was this character that was revealed, and I hate not being able to say, should I just, should we just talk about it? We gave the warning? Yes. Yes. All right. So, spoiler warning. If you haven't read this book, you should really not listen, because it was a really effective reveal. So, at the end of the last issue, these DC Technovirus zombies had broken through as Commissioner Gordon, and Death the Terminator, and Jason Todd, and Cassandra Kane and Bane, and Cheetah Lishiva. A bunch of characters were trying to get these kids, the Creeper, get these kids free to Sanctuary. They're trying to get them to freedom, and they busted through with the help of Zombie Wonder Woman. And so now here we're, we're in the pitched battle at the end uh, as they're on the school bus, and they're trying to get to the Gotham jungle, which is run by Poison Ivy. There's this giant battle. Zombie Wonder Woman is leading the troops, and then the Mirror Master keeps popping up through mirrors and windows and taking people away and turning them into zombies. Which is horrifying. It was horrifying. Yeah. And it was really well done. You know, I've really mm-hmm. been enjoying this this Carl Mostert art a lot. You're adding syllables. He understands. <laughs> it's um, it's messy. It's, it's um, you know, from the Quietly School. It really works for the story. I even want to go one step further. and I just, yeah. uh, I really like how he does the bodies of the people. Like, the Wonder Woman is correctly proportioned. Like, she's a yeah. big, strong person. The way that he draws Cheetah is, is really interesting, I think. The size differences and the body types between the different people. Yes. Is, is a really... Rose is, is really muscular. Like, it's, it, it works. Yeah. And the bit where the Mirror Master scene where he starts popping through, like, that's really good comic storytelling. There's the page, um, let's say, 11, 
where he comes out of the one window in the one panel and then, you know, the next panel, the feet are disappearing through it. And then there's, you know, like it's just it back goes backwards in and out back forth. Yep. It's just a really nice bit of a graphic storytelling. The pacing is really well done on that page, too. Yes. It ends yep. with the smashing of the window. She hits it with the, with the bat. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, much like these tragic tales of people who are not great trying to do good. One by one, these characters start dying. You know, the creeper's head gets pulled off and. Deathstroke goes down into a mass of zombies and really nice scene with Cheetah. She tries to save the kids and she dies. You know, and this is an extra long issue. This is like 40 plus pages. Didn't feel like it. No, no, no. I read this going, I don't know how this is going to go. I mean, they're going to all die. It did feel like that at one point. Wonder Woman grabs the bus, zombie Wonder Woman, and flies it in the air. I guess, and she throws it back at the earth. And all that's left on the bus is Batgirl and like Jason Todd. And they can't, they can't catch a bus. And so I was like, <laughs> well... This is a bummer. It's one of the benefits, I think, of A, having an extra long issue and B, having read it on digital, is that I was like, I don't know when this is going to end. Because it really felt, it really did. Maybe just because, partially because it's this Elseworlds type of story, but I thought, Jesus, is it just going to end as a bummer? (laughs) Because it would be possible. Sure. And so the sort of reversal, I didn't see coming. It was unexpected in a way that I can't even remember books where that has happened lately. Yeah, so there's a brunette girl on the bus, and we see a close-up of her face. It looks like she's saying, oh, shit, or the beginnings of it, and we, you know, the page turn, we see a long shot of the bus and a lightning bolt hitting it, and she says, Shazam, and we see Mary, it's, she's Mary Marvel holding the bus up from inside. And I, and I literally went, oh, when I turned the page. <laughs> and then she fights off Wonder Woman and saves the day. It's great. Earlier in the book, though, they when they were going, they said something like, "There's like uh, how many reformed supervillains? Three antiheroes, one true hero." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Who the hell's that?" <laughs> I was like, "It's not, it's not Jason Todd." I was like, "Maybe they mean Batgirl." It was a really nice crumb to leave. I could, I was thinking about it for every page after that. I thought I assumed it was Cassandra or Gordon. This was really well constructed. The clues were all there. If you, like, I went back and looked, and she has been narrating the whole time. It was a really well done. And then, of course, so they when she defeats Wonder Woman, or at least takes her off the board for a second, Mary Marvel flies the bus with the remaining alive kids and Jim Gordon and Cassandra Kane and Jason Todd and Rose to the Gotham jungle, which has been protected magically and includes Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, John Constantine, Zatanna, Dr. Fate, and then a bunch of civilians. Mm-hmm. This was a great little story. And then there's a nice memorial to the dead heroes and sort of you get that sort of Dirty Dozen-esque ending where the criminals get to have their moment of heroism. You know, (laughs) against all odds, this little world Tom Taylor's created is really working. I'm sure they'll drive this bus into the sea eventually by overdoing it. But right now, this miniseries was great. It added an extra dynamic to the story that they were telling before. This is terrific. This is a clear winner. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think speaking of driving to the sea, we've driven we've driven this point into the sea. Is that the key to all of this? Is character. Mm-hmm. Yep. Man, he keeps pulling out characters and finding things that are really interesting about them, heroes and villains, and that fit. You go, oh wow, that's right. That is how that character would work. Now, the caveat on this is that. You and I have not been secretive about the fact that the grayization and the sort of uh, nobilization of a lot of supervillains has gotten very tiring. Mm-hmm. You know, we're constantly, well, Harley Quinn's not a bad guy. Well, yeah, she is. She's a psychopath murderer. But in this context, in this story, and I guess the characters that they chose, I bought it because all of those characters have an element of 
either nobility or yeah. ambiguity to them. You know, like is Solomon like it wouldn't Grundy have made sense a bad if it guy? Was like the Joker doing it, right? But, exactly. But Bane doing it and Deathstroke, Grundy, and the creep. Those characters all made sense. Even they have even, a code. Um, Cheetah and uh, Lady Shiva all made sense also. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, yeah, I'm fine totally. with it in a story like this where it's Elseworlds, it's finite, supposedly. Like, it's not like an ongoing concern. You know, this yeah. is this this makes sense. It's in the face of a greater evil, you know, which is the, the techno-organic uh, anti-life equation virus. And then the, these, these villains, you know, see there's no point in robbing banks and punching the Flash. So, I liked it. Now, we had a second deceased issue this week. Deceased Hope at World's End, number one, written by Tom Taylor with art by Dustin Wynn. And also Rex Locus and Saida Timo Fonte. This is a digital only series that ties in. They're really going for it with this deceased world. This one I liked but didn't love. And this is the one that made me worry that they're going to really just stretch this to the point it breaks. Because it was fun, but it didn't really add anything new to the story. It takes place during issue five of the original series. I went back and looked at it. Uh-huh. And there's some overlapping scenes. You know, where the Black Canary Green Lantern takes the building away to safety. That happened in, in issue five. It was all from Jimmy Olsen's perspective of seeing this unfold from the point of contagion to the escape. And it was good, and the art was good, but it didn't really add anything. And I'm, so I'm curious to see what happens going forward. I mean, I was kind of bummed that, like, I mean, it, I mean, like to cut it up into that digital format, like, really. I was like, ugh. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. that made me really unhappy. Like I just make the whole page because everything is wrong, and I, I thought, is it going to be? So was it written for this specifically? Because I guess they didn't chop up the pages. Yeah, no, it's it's horizontal. I got lost a couple of times. I noticed at one point, like Jimmy had a eye patch, and then I went back trying to find when that happened, and it wasn't super clear when that happened. I like Dustin Gwynn's art a lot from an aesthetic standpoint. Much like issue five itself, which was basically a montage issue, took place over a long period of time. This seemed to also do that. So, the outbreak happens. Jimmy gets rescued, and the people in the planet get rescued by Superman and Green Lantern and some other people. And then we cut to later, where shit has gone down, and Jimmy has been fucked up. Clearly, it's only the last page where we see that. So clearly, much has happened since the rescue. He's looking mm-hmm. back on that time. I mean, it was it was fine and good, but this felt a little unnecessary. But we'll see. It's only issue one. Maybe it'll get necessary. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot good about it. You know, if we're still recording him on character, yep. then, you know, that's he's got that. It's an interesting Jimmy Olsen. However, in comparison to the, the Jimmy Olsen masterpiece that we're reading, <laughs> you know, it's such a net-breaking U-turn in terms of character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's you're, if you're trying to show the character's nobility and goodness, I think that was there. It did feel like, all right, so what's the next? Yeah. We'll see. I mean, huh. I, I, don't, I don't know the frequency. Is it weekly like all these other books? Maybe it is, and we'll, we'll get to know it next week. But I finished it. I was like, that was fine. But I always think of who wants to be a millionaire. You know, like it was really popular, and then, then, then they drove it into the ground by doing too much. And I feel like that's what mm-hmm. comics also does. So I'm worried this is the point we're at now. But we'll see. I'm willing to give it a lot of rope because the main books from this DC series have been great. Let's talk about Superman's pal, yeah. Jimmy Olsen, number 10, which until I For read sure. Deceased Unkillables was going to be the pick of the week. I read it to see some Killables last, so it ended up bringing the hammer yeah. down at the end. This was really fun. I started getting worried as I was reading this. I was like, oh no, we're almost done. Because <laughs> I, I, I was, you know, there was a few things that were sorted out in this one. You know, what's going on, basically. And I was like, oh no, if you tell me what's going on, <laughs> then... That means it's over. I mean, so Jesus. here, 
the big reveal is who has been the mastermind behind the many assassination attempts on Jimmy Olsen. It's not Lex Luthor. It's not Intergang. It's not some angry space ex-girlfriend. It's it's his brother. And it's the age-old motivation, money. The super wealthy Olsen family. Everyone has driven through their trust funds except for Jimmy because he's very frugal and thrifty. And he doesn't care about the money. and he's Yeah, yeah so seemingly super wealthy older brother realizes that Jimmy still has his trust fund untouched. And his accountant slash money person says, well, if something happens to Jimmy, you'll get the money. And so that's that's the impetus for the mini assassination attempts. This continues to be terrific. And I especially loved the reveal of Jimmy and drag. It was great. Oh, it, I was just looking at it. That scene was, was wonderful. And I was like, when he came down the stairs, I thought, wait a minute. And if you look at the way that Jimmy is drawn, he's got man legs and big man yep. feet. Yep. You know, like the proportions are off, you know? And I was like, oh, that's going to be Jimmy. The bus is a little misshapen. Yeah, 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 it's true. There's a bunch of that. And then you get the Godfather 2 <laughs> panel sequence, which, <laughs> right? It, so I told good. you, until I read DC Unkillables, this was going to be the pick of the week. That, was... that, that four panels could have won it. Just, I mean, then that's, you know, that's, I like that kind of thing, but Jesus. Well, he, he, he says, I know it was Julian gives him the kiss, and then he flies away in a UFO. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, sells, that sort of sums <laughs> the book up Yeah, in, in itself. You know, we still have two issues left. Out of nowhere, this book has been just a delightful breath of fresh air lately. Yeah, you're not kidding. I don't know. It's whatever that magical combination of of Matt Fraction, whose work I've enjoyed to and from. But I, you know, I've dug this whole. I've dug this whole thing. You know, and then Steve Lieber. I, I, what I mean, it's it's perfect. This is this is quite a thing. It's not usual. This is a this is an unusually great thing. I enjoyed seeing all the financial mishaps. They have they have a chart to show how the family fortune was <laughs> was squandered. Some of it was Julian's lifestyle, and some of it was Jimmy's doing. And so, there's one of them is Jimmy's thing with all the glue. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. That's very funny. Yeah, and I you know this is one of those books where a lot of times when a book is packed this much, I do tend to skim over bits of it. But I have had to train myself that like no no, it's worth reading all the bits. It's worth reading the, you know, the, the little captions. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, all the parts of that chart, you know, the thing with the glue. It's, it's very funny. It's, it's just great. Yeah. So speaking of digital only, as we were earlier with DC's Hope at World's End, uh, some of the regular Marvel books in the course of this situation we're in have been switched from print to digital only. And that includes Hawkeye wow. Freefall number five, which is going to finish out as a digital only release. This was uh, issue five, Matt Rosenberg, Otto Schmidt, Joe Sabino. This is one of those books that when it comes out, I get excited. And it was no surprise. First of all, I'd like to applaud Wilson Fisk for cutting down the pounds. I saw that as well. I, I, and Page I was five. Like, this same person wrote that Kingpin miniseries. You know, he approved those pages. He said, fine, he's not that fat here. <laughs> he looks five, fantastic. He's, he's not just thin. He's like, he's uh, taut. Yeah. Yeah, he's like Vito from the from the Sopranos that one season. So this is where basically everything is spinning out of control for Hawkeye. He gets confronted by Kingpin about his activities. His sidekick is attacked by Bullseye. Spider-Man knows what's up. Captain America confronts him. He finally loses his girlfriend for good. I mean, this is the moment, I assume, before the final issue. I assume six is the final issue, where everything is falling apart. Well, you mentioned loses his girlfriend finally. That scene... 
was uh, I mean, first of all, this was a jam-packed issue. I just looked through, I was just looking through it. I was like, this all this stuff happened in the one issue. It's pretty impressive. And again, there's pages that are just like people talking, jam-packed with word balloons. And I did not yep. notice when I was reading it. And that's the exception to the rule, basically. Like, it, it, you can't do that unless you can, and it works. And yep. so, you know, I have this thing where Spider-Man shows up and he's calling on it. And, you know, Clint goes tough guy with him. What are you going to tell Captain America? Hello, Clint. Captain America standing there. I was like, oh, shit. You know, they go through the whole thing. The girlfriend comes out, dresses them down completely. I'm like, okay, Clint's going to get a win. She says, this is goodbye. And you're like, Jesus. The ups and downs of that whole thing emotionally was amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, speaking of the emotional thing is, is you go to the next page and you see the reveal about, you know, Bullseye had been there and what that meant. And, and it's a real like, oh, yeah, this is real still. It, it really takes you all over the place. And then, and then I guess there's, there's one other bit. Uh, there's a bit where he gets in a car. Or two cops get in the car and Ronin's in the back seat. And so the guys sit down and they're just talking shit. And all of a sudden the two swords are in front of their necks, you know, and he hands them money and he's like, what do we do? We work for you now. He's like, no, do your job. You know, and, and then the swords are gone. I just I just love the storytelling there. Otto Schmidt is delightful. And, and I worry that if this is digital only, then people won't see it as much or that they won't finish reading it. And that would be a huge mistake. Yeah, I think I mean I know I know there were people who were upset. People were upset on our uh, various community places and Discord and Facebook group. You would be harming yourself if you didn't finish the series out. If I had to make a list of like the top five Marvel books right now, this would be on it. Yeah, it's sure. pretty great. Yeah, don't miss out just because it's digital only for the final two issues. I've been thinking as we talk about this with Hawkeye, we say you know like it's hard for people to get a handle on him between the old version and the new version, and some things are in between. Yep. You know, uh, if people ask me about Aja and Fraction's Hawkeye series, I say, I really like it. It's a terrible Hawkeye story. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yes. uh, it's a great comic book story, but it's it's not very Hawkeye. And also it's Ruined done irreparable damage. Yeah, totally. But I think Matt Rosenberg is really treading a line here where there's elements from that. But also, like, I'm aware that this is the Hawkeye from the old days, but also he is right at the edge of careening out of control. And that is a story I can buy. Yeah. He's trying to do the right thing, but he's losing his way. And that feels, it's not the most fun. You know, it's, it's got a little bit of that Peter Parker getting married, not being his fun thing, but I buy it. You and know, no one likes to sense. watch their, you know, one of their favorite characters yes. be at the edge of disaster. That's what makes it exciting, but also, you know, you just want him to get a win, and hopefully he gets one in the final issue. Although it's hard to see how he will. There was a bit here where there's a scroll version of Hawkeye, that Bullseye used for something. And just for a second, I thought, oh, wait, are we going to find out that the whole Ronin thing was like a scroll? And I was like, I hope that's not. And then I realized it, that I was like, okay, that's not, that's not what's happening because I don't want there to be a trick. At no, the, the scroll was there before. Yeah, I remembered. But uh, like, I don't want it to be like, actually, it was this all along. I want this to actually be the, the character's moment. And I trust that it will be, you know, and then he can redeem or go forward or whatever. But it, it'd be nice to see them like dig this rut and then get out of it and be able to move on. I think that'd be, that would be, uh, make me feel good. The Red Sonja 15, Mark Russell, Bob Q, Dear Blake Kelly, the radio team, Hassan, Osmane, Olahu. Olahu. Red Sonja's lost her queenship. She's sad. I feel bad for her right now. She's got to doing the hard thing. She's making the hard choice, like a, a, a fictional leader that you want to respect in a comic book might do. This is a fascinating book. Is this Mark Russell's longest running series consecutively? 15 issues plus some extras. They did the one about the prince, too. It's got to be. It's really interesting what he's doing here. I think so. I mean, the fact is, literally just last week, talking about the fact that, you know, he tends to make everything political. But really, this is almost more of a treatise on leadership mm -hmm. 
and gamesmanship at a sort of political is not the word, but like, you know, like a Machiavellian level. I mean, there, there are some things here you could apply them to in terms of, you know, how leaders sure. treat their their subjects, for lack of a better word. But it is mostly seems to be about leadership and strategy and war and the costs of these yeah. things and how they're not so simple and how you have to make decisions for the betterment of the people, the many versus the few. It's really interesting. I put this in my top five books for last year, you know, largely for those reasons. I mean, he's it's funny. He does his jokes in here, but it, it like the balance seems to be really nice. The structure of the way that there's an ongoing current thing that's going on. And we have transitioned from the Empire thing to this new bit pretty well. And then the whole time we keep going back to her earlier lessons, which I mean, if you think about it, Red Sonia could be a real cheesecake character, real cream puff of a character. Yeah. And, and he is doing his damnedest to make sure that like this is a character with some actual backing behind her, some stuff, so that you believe everything she's doing. She's not just redheaded in a bikini who's real badass. Right. The weight is sort of on her for everything, and you feel that. He's had great artists through the whole thing between uh, Bob Q and Mirko Kolak. Mm-hmm. I haven't really lost track of it. Like Once I started reading, I was like, okay, I remember here we are. Here we are. She has to sort of give it up to this regime that she doesn't want to be part of so that she can feed her people right you know and that's kind of all you need to know it's it's uh, and the, you know like the sequence at the beginning where she had the soldiers and they were training and she's like well i lost four men and she's like so you lost six more like what's the point of that you could have gone to the castle and you know there's funny there's funny jokes in there there's like you know the castle's right there we could just that's what castles are for you know <laughs> yeah. and she, she pushes forward but the point is still made like nothing is lost to that stuff it, it it's uh it's a heck of a thing. I mean, I, you know, this book is much better than it should be. For sure. For sure. And who knows how long it goes. I, I thought it was going to end a long time ago. I'm in as long as possible. I'm always excited to see a new one of these. And I always check, like, is he still on it? Okay, good. So major things happened on the Dollhouse family, number six. Speaking of not knowing how long books are going to go, I have no idea. Was this the end? I feel like, I feel like this was the end. Six, seems six like feels it. like a thing. I mean, it didn't say the end at the end. Maybe. I felt like this was going to go a lot longer. And as I sort of got to the end of this, because uh, I thought, oh, now we're going to be in the dollhouse for five issues or something like that. But it kind of wrapped it up. It, it left an opening. You know, the last bit is I can't wait to teach her. Right. You know, as we have this baby. With the metal hand. Yeah. I think this was a fine place to leave it. It seems like it was the end. I mean, they they basically unwrapped everything. You know, they went. the dollhouse was defeated. Time rewound. And... Mm-hmm. They got to have their lives in the same place, but without all the trauma. That was a little deus ex machina, but I still liked it. It made me feel happy. Mm-hmm. Like that the cat demon had been like, you know, all right, well, I'm going to fix this for all these people. Even though. And they, they even said it. She's like, well, I know that they're not important, but and I put, should probably kill, you know, but I'm just going to fix it. I feel, <laughs> I nice feel I, she, the cat says, I find myself strangely reluctant to end them. It's like, Oof. <laughs> <laughs> It was a happy ending. I, w- I wanted a happy ending. You know, we're famously not horror fans, but I liked this book. The characters were interesting. The, the situation was unique. It wasn't like schlocky horror. It was disturbing. No. I mean, there were demons and things in this instance of the big demon fight, but still. It, it skirted the edge of what I find you know, annoying about horror. I think one of the things is that uh, the protagonists in this were believably admirable. Mm-hmm. You know, like the mother was was a really fleshed out character, 
but she, you know, having been through whatever she went through and they set this up like her, her dad had abused the shit out of her mom, you know, and so she's super protective of her daughter and that's all that matters. And she had this one night stand with this guy and he turns out to be a really good guy too, who just wants to do the right thing. And, and, you know, I find that very attractive right now. I mean, I do normally, but even more so. And, and so sort of the, the right thing happens to the people who did the right things. And it was, you know, it was a horrible element. I think the drawing of the dollhouse in its like uh, evil Krang form, whatever mm-hmm. it is, was was pretty good. That was a good horror sort of creepy comic book drawing. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Star number five. This was another series that was converted to digital only. Kelly Thompson, Javier Pina with Jay Leister and Philippe Andrade on art. The regular art by Javier Pina is... You know, it's good, and it's just sort of your standard Marvel superhero art. But I find myself wishing Philippe Andrade had drawn the whole book because whenever they do his flashback, it's page, beautiful. I'm, I'm always like, "Ooh, this yep. is some good stuff." Yeah. And against all odds, I'm really enjoying this little, I assume now miniseries about Star, the uh, character who appeared early on in the latest Kelly Thompson Captain and Marvel series. Started off as a villain, but now has control of the Reality Stone. So she's sort of, uh, I want to say, anti-hero. I don't even know what she is here. Yeah, she's right in the middle. You kind of don't know what's going to happen with her. It could go any, either way at any time, which I, I kind of dig. Although she certainly looks like a superhero. <laughs> right. It's fun. I, the, like, the only thing I hitched on is that the villains in this, are the, like, they're now straight up out of the mm-hmm. Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just, I don't know. Like, that just, that takes me out of it for a second. And I, and I, and I don't think that's, like, the wrong thing to do. But also they're talking. So, like, the one really big one who had the sort of chain hammer thing that he would throw around. You know, he was just, like, a grunting ape in the other one. Mm-hmm. But in this, he's, you know, he's talking like 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 people. Mm-hmm. So that threw me a little. But, you know, like, I, I get it. I get why they're there. I really like the characterizations of Captain Marvel and Star and the way that their relationship was going. And, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a good time. It was fun. The reality stone seems overpowered. I mean, the, 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 it's funny because the Infinity Stone should be not used a lot. Yeah. And because of the movies, they're around a lot and they shouldn't be because it, it you know, it's like the Cosmic Cube. Once yeah. the Cosmic Cube shows up, like, like it, it really is nothing makes sense, nothing matters. And so you want in the Reality Stone specifically is the one like, all right, well, so it doesn't matter what happens here at all. Because at the end of the story, they can say, Meh. but you work with what you got. It should be the last resort. Mm hmm. Except it's her literal whole thing. So that's it for this week's books that we read. Let's do the patron pick. Patreon.com slash iFanboy is where you can go. And everyone can vote to add a book to the rundown. And we return to our normal voting system this week With now that we're back mostly normal. And the winner, the runaway winner, because we have a strong plurality of patrons who always vote for the image number one, was the Ludocrats number one, written by Kieran Gillen with Jim Rosignol, art by Jeff Stokely. Colors, Tamara Bonvillon, and letters by Clayton Cowles. I hadn't planned on reading this before the patron pick. I actively didn't. Like, I specifically was like, I'm not reading that. No, I did, and I I don't know what the fuck this was. I don't know what happened. I do. I understood I feel like I got, it. I got contact dosed with LSD before I read this. I got it. I understood what it was. I'll tell you, the moment I opened it up, like, is this thing I want to read? I downloaded it, I looked at it, and the first thing I see is naked red guy in his, in his, his naked red dink. And yeah. I thought, all right, I get what when that happens in a comic book. That means one thing or another. And then I flipped and I saw the, I literally just saw the dialogue that said, hmm, is the gore going to stain my pantaloons? And I thought, I don't want this. <laughs> and I didn't read it. Wait, you didn't read the issue? I did, but I'm saying, so then later I was like, oh, I have to read it. So I went back and I read it. 
but it was not my, this was the Monty Python sketch and it was three minutes long. I would have been fine with it. You know, they just transitioned into the next thing. But at the end, it basically was all about how, you know, everybody here is crazy and ludicrous and that's why they're the ludocrats and the thing that they're fighting against is anybody turning normal and boring. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that that had enough legs to sustain all of these pages. And it was longer than normal. It was 26 pages long and then yeah. pages of explanations and world building on stuff that I, I couldn't even, I could barely read in comic book form. Yeah. That being said... I thought it was well done. I thought there were, you know, the characterizations were fine. It, I think it succeeded at doing the thing it wanted to do. The art worked well for it. It was not for me. It was too much of a thing that I don't like, or at least this much of. It felt like it was wacky for the sake of wacky and not for the sake of the story. I assume that it delighted the creators. Oh, sure. I'm sure it was fun to write. They were having a ton of fun doing it. And I'd be interested to know what if there is an audience for it enough. It didn't do anything to, and with all these extra pages, didn't do anything to establish what this world is. And so all it was was a bunch of every every few pages, another wacky character would show up in this giant like dome room they're in. And I don't know what any of the stakes are. They kept talking about some political stuff, but like it didn't really matter because I never understood, you know, they never really talked about anything. There was some arranged marriage that was happening, and there's a cameo from the Casanova character from the Casanova book, and there's a self-aware narrator. I rolled my eyes reading this, and I generally like Kieran Gillen. Yeah. This is not for me. No, it was it was too much. I would hasten to say, I think it's fairly British, and I think it's a type of British humor that I've seen before that I don't love. Like I said, I could see any given seven panels of this being like the middle bit of a Monty Python sketch mm-hmm. in a way, but it just, it was just it went on forever. You know, like, let us leave Camelot. This is a silly place. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to take Patsy and leave Camelot. Let's do the ratings on the Ludocrats, number one. Ratings. Out of five ratings. Uh, one and a half. I'm going to give it a 2.75. It was not to my taste, but I believe that there was skill and craft involved. And I believe that there are people out there who will enjoy this. All right, so there you go. There's the Patreon pick. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. If you join up, anyone who joins up at any level can vote to add a book to the rundown. And thanks to everyone who votes. But if you give it the $5 or higher level at the Patreon.com slash iFanboy, you get your own superpower live on the show as a way of thanks. So let's thank Michael Scott. Poor guy. Not going not gonna to even run with that one. No. Michael Scott's ability is that in a true emergency, and it has to be a true emergency, and it's, ha- it's not something he can control. It just, ha- it just happens in the midst of a true Spider emergency. Spider sense. In a true emergency, he turns into Oscar Isaac with all attendant powers and abilities. I'm interested. Uh, I yeah. would like you to expand on, on the abilities. And now are we talking about the abilities of the human actor? Yes, or of an Oscar aggregate? Isaac. Okay, but but no, but now now the powers and abilities don't come from the characters or an aggregate thereof. No, his powers and abilities include charm, okay, the ability to sing and dance, okay, being a devastating actor, being handsome, the ability to stand out in a movie that may not otherwise be good, right. with the exception of an X Men film. Yeah, it's it's not nothing. But only in times of emergency, because in there's true a emergency, point where I, yeah. I do feel that I do feel the need to. Wonder how much use that is, say, in a burning building. <laughs> right. Well, he could dance his way out. Okay. You know? Listen, it doesn't necessarily mean his, his abilities will be relevant to the emergency. That's just what happens. I just, I find it problematic that, like, somebody gets run over on the street and he's like, <laughs> somebody help this man. And he's like, damn it, I'm Oscarizing again. 
<laughs> Which well, in some places is probably distracting. Well, maybe it's comforting to the man who's hurt. I mean, it's it, sometimes you don't know what the true gift of something is until until it's time for it to be put to the test. I mean, maybe he <laughs> for one second he forgets his pain and says, "Is that Oscar Isaac?" Yeah. Okay. You know. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right. Michael. Fair enough. Dan Bowman. I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with I use Audible to listen to audiobooks a lot, and it has a feature. Mm-hmm. Where uh, uh, on either side of the arrow, there is, I think some podcast app have this. You can hit the back arrow and it skips back a minute. Or you can hit forward arrow and it skips forward a minute. And you can set Mm -hmm. those times. Dan Bowman can go back or forward uh, 10 seconds. Now, nothing changes in those 10 seconds. But he can relive the moment. If he liked the moment. You can listen to it again. Did you miss something? Back 10 seconds. Can't change it. It's not, it's not an alternate timeline. Or forward 10 seconds. All right, we're going to give you this shot. Bloop, shot's done. But you don't get that time back. You know, I guess He's, he could. I guess he could. He could just hit backwards again. Yeah, he just keeps, yeah. It's tricky, though. He's not looking at the moment. He's living it again. Yeah. So he could, he could yeah. have all the time in the world. He could just keep hitting back until he goes back to childhood. That's a good point. But you'd be living it again. Yeah. And uh, there's certain points where also have you ever had to like try to find something like if you if you ever listen to like an audiobook and you fall asleep and then it's like 6 hours but you don't really know how long it's been? I've never done that, but I could see a situation where that would happen. Hmm. You could get kind of lost in there and then you're just hitting the button. So Either he's way. got great and terrifying power, but he he must have great responsibility in wielding it. It's true and one thing that happens is like his his conscience is never lost during that. So if somebody says something, he doesn't ever have to ask, excuse me, pardon me. He can just go back and listen to it again. So it seems like he's always on the ball. But sometimes when you pop back in, you're a little confused and people are like, what happened? Nothing. Right. Like he's got to get back his, his thing. He gets better at it. But, you know, there's times. All right. Well, you know, patreon.com slash iFanboy, $5 or higher level. You get your own superpower live on the show like Michael and Dan. And thanks to both of you. Yes. If you like that, you want the Patreon power, you want to get on there, you want to vote on the patron pick, you want to help. You want to want to show this is something as Tom Merritt would say value for value. I want to I want to give you value for the value of providing. Well, there's lots of ways to do that. There's patreon.com slash iFanboy where people have been really supportive of the show during this time. And I love that. And also, you know, the other thing is if you're a patron, then you get to come to the live hangouts and chats. There's the media explode that we're doing now. Video shows are being uploaded like there's actual progress on all these things, because not only is it, it do we love that people come there, but it's important for us to deliver on those things that we promise. So uh, the next stretch goal that currently exists which is quite a ways away, thank goodness, uh, would be some sort of return of the quarterly barbecue video show, which, you know, now it doesn't seem so bad. It's like, oh, that's a Zoom show right there. That's what that is. <laughs> but, you know, we could we could do the, what are you grilling over there? And, oh, I, th- I bet that smells good. Not that I know if we're forever allowed to move again. Yeah, exactly. Get over to patreon.com slash ifanboy to do that. And thank you so much to everybody who does that. You can get over to the t-shirt store. T-shirts and items. Sundries. I don't, I don't actually know the definition of sundries, but I think that fits. ifanboy.threadless.com. There are currently eight designs there, including our newest design, Stay Home and Read Comics, um, which has spawned imitators. Someone ripped it off. A portion of all sales will... Yes. Uh, we'll go to the United Comic Book Fund. Uh, there is uh, money in the bank. They don't pay us like all that. Like there's a payout that happens at the end when we get our payment. Uh, then that will go directly. Yeah, it doesn't happen right away. They have to pay us eventually, and then we pay. We're not hanging on to it to get a hold of all that sweet interest. And new designs are always in the works. Thinking, thinking is happening. Designing. Go over to ifanboy.com/support if you don't want to deal with any of that and you just wanted to make a uh, 
uh, donation to PayPal or the tip jar or something like that. We also always appreciate that. And that does happen sometimes. You don't want to deal with the rigmarole of signing up for another service or something like that. And then finally, ifanboy.com slash Amazon will give you a general link to Amazon. You'll also find links to buy all the books in our Booksplode. And every Pick of the Week has a link to the Pick of the Week book and also a link to the music that we use in a given show. So you'll find that stuff there. And now it's time to get back to the Revenge of Cobra. Yeah, so let's welcome back Ron Richards to the show. Hello. Hello. Yo, Joe. Yo, Yo Joe. <laughs> the show is finding more and more ways to, to awkwardly shoehorn that in. Like if you were in a meeting with someone and they just went, all right, cool. So we'll get back to you that on Friday. Yo, Joe. Like it's it doesn't. I mean, it is, it is, Weird. I didn't realize this as a child, but it is truly, it is like aloha or, yeah. you know, like it, it is both hello and goodbye. I know Connor's going to intro this episode, but at one point in this episode, Cobra Commander yells at Major Blood to go do something. And all Major Blood does is go, Cobra, and runs away. <laughs> it's it's so, a useful phrase. It's kind of like fucking that way. You it's can use it in, in numerous yeah. ways. Yeah. So it's great. And again, I know that Connor is going to intro this and I'm going to let him do that in a second, but I, I don't want to forget this. And we can come back to it. But one character is nicknamed Pedo in this. Oh, yes. So let's leave that and we'll get right to it. <laughs> so, you got that, Pedo? So the, and the response isn't, whoa, <laughs> don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, The Palace of Doom, which is part three of The Revenge of Cobra, which originally aired September 12th, 1984. Dan Thompson, director. Ron Friedman, writer and producer for Marvel Productions. And this is... Part three of the five-part Revenge of Cobra miniseries in which now the weather dominator is split into three. Pieces have landed all over the planet. The hunt is on. No piece landed in, like, Paris. It land- they all landed in harsh climates. The it s- never lands in a mall in Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Also, it lands, like, in a building or yeah. on, like, a very specific island in the middle of nowhere. In a temple. Return. Yeah. <laughs> How did it even do that? There was no hole... In the temple. Before we can start tracking down the pieces, we need to get the team all back together, though, right? Right. So we have, uh, starts off with Shipwreck and Flint and Mutt are in their sand glider ship, which we discussed the physics of last week. Oh, uh, uh, phys- they phys- had phys- physics continu- the whole time. Physics continues to be a problem with the sand glider uh, as, <laughs> as it succumbs to the sandstorm. Let me just turn the thrusters on. What? <laughs> well, so so the cliffhanger was that that Mutt got thrown overboard and was trapped in the sand. And so we get a we get a uh, a rescue mission that doesn't seem both Shipwreck and Flint do not seem like they have their hearts in this rescue mission. It's not very urgent and when Shipwreck attaches the grappling hook to Flint and then ties it to the sh- he doesn't really even tie it to the boat. He just sort of I- <laughs> hooks it sort of laissez-faire onto a, a piece of broken mast yes. that could very easily keep breaking. He So Flint could be a gunner, too. It's not really... And it also, Mutt's like 20 feet from the ship, it turns out. So it wasn't and, even that and, big of a deal. And so when, yeah, so when Flint goes out to Mutt, Mutt is like, okay, great, let's go. And they just go back to the ship. Like, couldn't Mutt do this by himself? <laughs> we were also really terrified of sand-based... Uh, deaths in the 80s. There was a lot of... Yes, there was a yeah. lot of... Um, oh, sure. Quicksand was always a quick threat. Quicksand, yeah. sandstorms. It was just... But, like, Mulaney... Mulaney does a joke about that, but, like, he's so not wrong. Yeah. That was everywhere. But yeah. so, um... So they get they get him up back in the boat, and then Shipwreck goes, okay, you know, and he pulls a tarp over the boat, and they, they use that to weather the storm. And as far as I can tell, 
hundreds of pounds of sand is on top of them. There's no way that tarp keeps them safe. No, they suffocate. <laughs> it's a good it's a it's a good tarp. Yo, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Just move on. <laughs> Well, yeah. so that, what what I love is that we go back to Joe base, uh, Joe, the, the the Joe's base, and they're all they're planning to go get the pieces, and then they get an intruder alert, and uh, a door opens, and out of the shadows comes Flint and Mutt and Shipwreck. Of which my point is 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 it that easy to get into Joe headquarters? Security is a big problem there. I mean, there's just right away. If I was an external consultant, I had this like. You didn't see them coming? It's because they got that three-sided thing. Everybody's looking forward at the side with the gun. <laughs> and if you come in the side door, like, not, if anybody, like, I would think if, so, like, say this door has a code. You got to put in your, your dog's birthday or whatever. And that is not my door code, by the way. And, uh, you know, no, no alarms go off. There's no, there's somebody coming. Like, it's not until they get right outside the room that everybody's in that the alarms go. And it, it's just a problem, especially if you're in an international war on terrorism. Two of them are dressed as Cobra, and one of them is unknown to the, the others. How do they get on the property, right? Because we've seen there's a fence around it, and there are gr- green shirts out there. So they, they get on the property. They go through some sort of door, which, by the way, I would think Flint or Mutt would have a code, so it's not an intruder alert. Right. You'd think they would like yeah. wave yeah. hi to, the, to Frank at the gate. Yeah. And be like, oh, it's Flint. Flint, what are yeah. you doing in a Cobra it's, outfit? Oh, you wouldn't believe what happened to us. You know? <laughs> oh, Good old Mutt is here. That's great. And I see that you've brought with you a serial sexual harasser. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, this is all this is all preface to the to the wonderful love triangle that then gets established between uh, Shipwreck Flint and Lady J. Is it a love triangle? <laughs> no, yeah. Once again, we're seeing a man and a woman who are a couple, and the dude is to- and one of them is totally okay with bringing in the third of the triad. It's <laughs> happened twice now. It's not only that, but it's also – Flint I, – I, as, as someone who had a huge crush on Lady J, Flint is oddly not into it. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't get the sense that they're actually a couple at this because she – I she's, think she's a beard. She sort of, she sort of uh, says she is so happy he's alive, and he, he sort of blushes and demurs. They don't act like they're together. Well, well yeah. She says, she, she says I, uh, we all kept hoping you'd make it back, Flint. And Flint says, thanks. That means a lot. Pause. <laughs> Knowing that your buddies miss you, I mean. <laughs> and then, like, I don't know if he's, if, if he's posturing, if he's posturing in front of the guys, like he doesn't want to show too much. Or, but, uh, but then later when they all leave, Flint and Lady J are going out in the same Sky Striker, and Shipwreck just wedges himself in there next to Lady J. <laughs> That's there's, I mean, regulation problems at the least. Those are not designed for three people at all. They're not. If right. you've ever, if you've ever been near Jet, you couldn't even. It's not even physically possible. This is all forgetting the fact that Shipwreck, as soon as he meets Lady J, just turns on the charm, that Nicholson charm. Mm. Is it charm? <laughs> she was okay with it, but I have the feeling that that was the feeling of the writers. I don't think they consulted an actual woman on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward. So we're breaking up into teams, the time-honored Ron Friedman tradition of breaking up into small teams to go fetch items. And the first team is... Cobra dispatches Baroness and Zartan, plus the Dreadnoughts, plus Firefly, to go get the first piece. And they face off against Wildcat and Torpedo, and Cutter, and Doc, and Rock and Roll, and Spirit, and a couple other guys I missed. So it, it shows you how wildly imbalanced we are in terms of Joe characters versus Cobra characters. Yeah. There's a lot of Joes. Who is the guy that's dressed in yellow that looks like Breaker but isn't Breaker? 
Oh man, who is that? That was the only one I could that that remember. Clutch. That's Clutch. It's yeah. Clutch. No, in yellow. Yeah. They put him in a yellow suit. They, they that character came with a vehicle. So Clutch was in the initial wave as a sort of a green yes. shirt guy, and then when the the vehicle like it was one of the jeeps or something, I think it was that same desert colored jeep. He was the figure that came with him in a new outfit. Because don't forget that as we go on, not just Snake Eyes is going to get new outfits. They're going to be right. like, oh, we got to put Gung Ho in his military dress blues. Right, right. Which is not a good combat outfit, by the way. We we did we did get some new Joes. Like I completely forgot about Rakondo. Well, that's the second group. We'll get to the second group yeah. in a minute. Okay, I was sorry. I was just in general. I was like already. I felt like these were spaced out so much in my childhood, and they're just all like front loading them. I was like, oh, it's too many. Which made me want to buy them all. So I guess it works. So the first group, they're they have to go. They're attacking via the water, and they have a shootout. Cobra bought a lot of ships to go get this one item. A lot. Which I guess makes sense because they had a giant battle. But and they, the, and they all left directly from the base. So it wasn't like there was a staging point later, which, which brings up uh, fuel and, and supply line concerns to, to me. <laughs> but the big hazard here is the giant water spout. What's, what are the, what's the word for that? It's not a tornado. It's a, it's a whirlpool. A, well, it's, typhoon. Uh, typhoon. 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 Oh, yeah. The typhoon, yeah. which creates a whirlpool, and they just drive right at it. This is a typhoon that's probably 100 feet high. It's not like they don't see it. And they go right for it and, of course, all go into the whirlpool. Hey, man, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Including the Joes who have, I guess, windsurfed the entire way. I, when I saw that, I laughed out loud. I'm like, really? They have them on windsurfing boards? <laughs> <laughs> like, you really have to fall down the ladder to be like, do I get to be in the, in the submarine or the shark? No, I have to windsurf a thousand miles to get to this thing. This thing is so it's so convoluted because we get a beach landing, right? But it's like it's a string of land that is around the island. Right. Right. And and so Joe's do a beach landing. And then I guess their plan was to then continue on somehow. But I'll give Cobra the ingenuity. They do the beach landing and, and demolitions expert Firefly brings out a, a, a bomb that is roughly the size of a shoebox that explodes a channel for them to right. get their boats through. Right. <laughs> like, so I think Cobra's got the much better technology because here we see yeah, look at later. They have giant robots and. They have every everything for, they need for every situation, but they've got much better tech people. The Joes are kind of dumb. They're just kind of reacting. I feel like they're kind yeah. of they're always yeah they're always um yeah oh man but it it's, it, well, it's, it's, it's true it's like intruder alarm well you know somebody goes well you know how do we fix this in the future so that this doesn't keep happening they're not yes. the next week is going to be the same thing <laughs> so here's Josh where you can talk about torpedo who saves the day in his shark by blowing up I don't, again maybe this works maybe it doesn't I don't know by Blowing up the land underneath the whirlpool, which Smart. stops the whirlpool from happening. And then flame erupts from the whirlpool. I got to tell you, I don't really remember a lot about that scene because I know that while Bill yelled down, he's like, go for it, pedo. <laughs> <laughs> and that was well, you, the nickname that rung around. I just I thought, what? Let's and I went for, back. Did let's he not, say pedo? Let's not forget how cool of a dude Torpedo is. Super he's cool chill. Dude. He's super chill. Super chill. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like... Every once in a while, you'll meet a guy like this. And I've met military guys like this. Yeah. We're just like, man, you're just a chill dude. Like, you're down <laughs> for a good time. You got nothing against anybody, but you're going to do your job. He's the most realistic character in this. <laughs> Until they call him Pedo. <laughs> oh, my God. It's bad. We, might it's really be, bad. we might be going too granular with this. But still, I love it. Let's continue. Ron, Ron, <laughs> don't, don't take away what we have. <laughs> 
I have a note here that says, oh, yeah, exclamation point, roadblock, exclamation point. Yep. I totally forgotten about that portion it's, of the it's story. An- it's another mean, Ron, it's another Ron Friedman trope to send Roadblock on a Cane uh, from Kung Fu solo journey. Right. Yeah, and then have the cold open from a porno movie. <laughs> <laughs> so so Roadblock is is on his own coming out of the vines, and he finds he he's able to jump on a convoy, a Cobra convoy, and climb into the truck to find someone captured among Honolulu oh, West. Amongst lots of um, food and supplies, I believe it was referred to as vittles. Yes. And he, he unties the person only to reveal that she's a girl. No. And she what? owes the trucks? <laughs> of which the girl responds, congratulations, you figured out so fast you must be a rocket scientist. <laughs> he does then later allude to the fact that he is also a gourmet chef, which I like. Yes. That's well, he says it straight up. So here's the thing. He snuck onto this truck. He's found a captive cowgirl whose the truck is full of all of her food. And as opposed to figuring out a way to escape or do something like that, they just rap. They get comfortable and they chat. And prepare to cook. Yeah, and prepare to cook. <laughs> also, oh, it's yeah. a magically expanding truck where he gets inside and suddenly it's about 30 feet wide yep, when big. they pan across it. So, yeah, he's, he's going to have an adventure with the freckle blonde Hondalu West. Which is kind of scandalous for 1984. Oh, are you worried about miscegenation? Yeah. <laughs> I looked that word up yesterday. Turns out the word is just literally what it means. It's just other people made it sound dirty or horrible to say. <laughs> I don't remember why I looked it up. We don't need to know what's going on in your personal life. We have a second team, which is Major Blood, and he gets no help. I do got to say, before Major Blood's team gets dispatched, and as I mentioned earlier, we do get a lot of Cobra Commander actually commanding. Yeah, he's, he was actually good in this one. He was actually really great. He, he had them all lined up, and he was yelling, barking orders, telling who to go. Like, Cobra Commander is in his element in this episode. Well, and say what you will about Major Blood, but that guy's a soldier who's going to do what you ask. Yeah. yeah. That guy's all in. Like, you need a guy like him on the team. Question about Major Blood. I don't know if I ever thought about it before. Does his metal arm serve any purpose? I was wondering about that because the the square cuff, yeah, you know, yeah. like it, 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 it. I have not seen any purpose for it. In fact, I think if you didn't know it was a metal arm, you wouldn't know it was a metal arm. I think that when you got the toy, I don't. I don't remember where if the if the file card said anything on this, but my assumption was always like, oh, that's a robot arm, so it would be stronger than the others, like a like a like a Hellboy, you know, right hand doom kind of thing. Winter Soldier. Yeah, but I don't feel like it was ever employed in the show. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm looking to see if I, I, it's. It's possible the comics did something with it, but I don't remember anything ever happening, or why he has it. Like, is it an injury? Yeah. It's just maybe it's just like a, a like he has like he broke something there, so he just keeps that on there like a like a knee brace kind of thing. The, his Wikipedia says it has been speculated this is meant to represent an artificial mechanical limb that was never portrayed as such. There it is. So hmm. they just never they just made the design and never did anything with it. Oh wait a minute. In the Renegades, well, the Renegades cartoon. Who gives a shit about that? In that one, he lost his arm. Someone so listening. Alligator attack. Was that uh, for, um? What's his name? Who's the alligator trainer guy? Big Boa. No. Yeah, was that Big Boa's doing? Could be. It is not important. Anyway, Big Boa was the boxer. Was he a boxer right. and an alligator trainer? <laughs> no, I, Big Boa wasn't an alligator. <laughs> that would be a true Renaissance man. Crocmaster. Crocmaster. Major Blood goes off to get the second piece, which is in uh, sort of a desert uh, jungle situation. And he's off against Ricondo, Flint, Lady J, Shipwreck, Breaker, Short Fuse, Gung Ho, Tripwire. And I'm sure there was somebody else in there I missed. I'm impressed already, though. Yeah. That's a lot of 
misma- oh, so mismanagement until you realized that Storm Shadow was also with Ledger Blood. No, Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow was uh, is on the other one, Spirit, because he faces off against Spirit. He's on the. Oh, island. you're right. He's with yeah. Baroness and Zartan. So Major Blood really is by himself. Yeah, Major Blood's totally by himself, and it's oh, well, so go, wait, so so many too many too many teams, too many different paths. By yeah. the way, so over on the uh, on the island is Baroness and um, Storm Shadow do, leading the assault, and then at one point she refers to Zartan. And she, you know, she calls him on the radio because she's mad at him, of course, because she has to do everything herself. And it, it goes below water, and we see that uh, Zartan and the Dreadnoughts are piloting a submarine. Right. Which leads me to the question Is a submarine the best use of the Dreadnoughts? No. I would okay. want they're them in a the submarine. They're yeah. in that a lot. I was like, yeah. all right. They had, because I remember watching it going, boy, they're in that submarine an awful lot, which seems antithetical. Yeah, so they all have like cutting weapons, and that's a bad idea inside a tin can. That was my thought. The, the first time we saw them, it was at the beginning of this one. Or the, it all blends. It you was know, last, they're, they're, last they're, episode. They're flying around the, the the swamp on their on their you know dragonflies. The dragonflies. Yeah. yeah, those are the toys that. That's at least the toy that Zartan came with, and I feel like we never see that again. Yeah, after this one, never again. Yeah, that's all. That's all I had. In uh, the second fight, they go into a my or uh, some sort of ancient civilization temple, the Palace of Doom, which I don't know how they knew the name. that was the name of it, but that's what they call it. Someone likes Indiana Jones on the writing staff. Well, everyone in the world at that point. In in the Palace of Doom, there's a giant statue that comes to life and fights them. And of course, Cobra counters with their own giant robot, which made me think they have the best robotics team on the planet at this point. As Josh mentioned earlier, go that direction, make robots. They don't have to be a terrorist organization. They seem to have an enormous infrastructure. They, they have some quality engineers working for them. They're wasting all this money on, frankly, a lackluster inventory. You know, you could wage world domination economically through your products and your superior supply chain, rather violence. Yeah, I mean, just play to your strengths. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This robot, this snake robot, I laughed out loud when I chortled when I saw it. Because at, at one point, because I'm like, is there someone inside of it? And then its arm breaks off and it's all electrical. I'm like, no, it's a robot, but it is reacting like a man. So Cobra's AI must be amazing as well, too. Think about where we'd be in the world now if Cobra had only dedicated their AI and robotics prowess to making the world a better place and them lots of money. And if you look at what happens to the people who are the heads of those companies, they'd pretty much be in charge of the world. Right. You wouldn't have Mark Zuckerberg. You would have. They would Cobra be Commander. despots in a different kind. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Robber barons, digital robber barons. It's, it's it seems like it's pretty easy. Gung Ho shows poor lifting form here when he lifts up the piece. He bends yes. with his back, not his legs. And as someone who has hurt himself doing that, I winced. Gung Ho should know better. Do you think he'd know with that chest tattoo? You think he'd be aware of that? Well, um, the whole time I'm watching this whole scene inside the temple, inside the temple, I'm just like, oh man, Indiana Jones really was popular in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> so, Josh, do you want to talk about Storm Shadow and the revelation that you came through this week? I do. First of all, seeing Storm Shadow was a delight, and I was very happy they actually made him do things that looked ninja-like. And I was like, all right, that's the ninja that we were. I had a very emotional reaction to this scene because as a kid this was the most um exciting moment in my life i think of that up to that point was when storm oh, Shadow oh, sure. appeared 100 uh, percent. when i think about the cartoon that is the scene where he throws mm-hmm. the star at spirit and freedom catches it and then they fight like as a kid that was the moment where like my whole life changed and so i had a very visceral reaction to seeing it again 
It's a big moment. Yeah. Yeah. What I found out from a uh, longtime iFanboy listener and patron and pal Bill Scurry is that the voice of Storm Shadow is none other uh, than Keon Young, who many listeners uh, would probably know as the voice of Mr. Wu from Deadwood. And also from a character in Mind and Back 3 called Mr. Wu. In fact, if you look at his character list, quite a lot of Wu's in there. Guy works a ton, by the way. Um, but any, And then so I knew that going in, and so I was just waiting for him to talk. And then, like, he didn't say, cocksucker, but it was Wu. It was so Wu, and it was great. Yeah. I keep reading the voice credits on this, waiting for people who I didn't know. Did were this? the voice yeah yeah, yeah so like yeah. i wanted to you know like and then later i believe know them for something else and this one really delivered well you me. you have to wait until the movie when we get don johnson but i knew that was don johnson at the time yeah. like yeah. <laughs> i have to give them credit for casting a half japanese actor to play the japanese character as opposed to having some southern california white guy doing a japanese accent because they sure didn't do that for spirit they <laughs> did that well spirits it, we had issues with Native Americans, but it's funny because it's spirit, and then and and then the 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 eagle's name is Freedom, and I was like, ah, eh, it's a little like it's okay, we're all cool now, right? Indians, America, we're all right. But you actually have to give them credit, you know. Like the black characters are generally, you know, African American voice actors. They do that, you know. The women are women. <laughs> I feel like they tend to try to do that at least mm-hmm. for the most part. But yeah, yeah. But so this this sets up the eternal battle between Storm Shadow and not Snake Eyes, but Spirit. Which was a disappointment as a kid, but also was exciting. Yeah, because Spirit did have some gravitas to him. He, I mean, he had, that bird was very behaved and focused and caught a ninja-throwing star out of the sky with his beak. Well, well trained. Yeah. One thing they don't talk about with, with Joes a lot is that as a group, they're excellent animal trainers. They really are. They they really embrace. They, they they are PETA friendly. In fact, you didn't you didn't walk along and like like in, like like they've all got their animal. They're about to go into battle and they've all got their animal sidekicks. And then there's just one guy whose dog is going crazy because there's like a piece of meat over there. They're <laughs> well trained animals. I, I liked Spirit back then because he seemed like the most capable guy. Uh, like, he was my favorite him, in the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, give him the job. He'll get it done. And he's badass like that. Did Cobra not have? I guess they didn't have the same amount of animals as G.I. Joe did. Well, the aforementioned croc master had a croc. There was a raptor who dressed like a raptor and had a raptor. A lot of snake imagery. Yeah, but that's yeah. not a lot of snakes, or at least like snakes would only be used like as a group. Like, here's a bucket of poisonous snakes kind of thing. Right, more of a weapon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not as many dogs. Well, speaking of well-equipped Joes. It was uh, a warthog guy. It was a warthog guy. I forgot his name was Warthog, I think. I, I did appreciate while they're, they get away from the temple and they're dealing with all that, Tripwire, who's got a great costume yeah. and the metal detector, mine detector kind of thing, also can detect earthquakes with that, apparently. That's not how that works. No, at <laughs> all. You don't know. He could have. He's got, he basically has a tricorder because before it was detecting radiation. Yeah. Now it detects, it detects basically whatever they need to detect. But thanks to the earthquake, that leaves uh, some of the Joe stranded on a piece of rock, which gets us the most ridiculous bridge-building contraption. (laughs) It didn't look safe. It didn't look safe at all. And there's no easier way to get them off that thing than this this odd telescoping, shaky bridge thing. It's just they have a million helicopters. They need to steal a couple of engineers from Cobra, much like we took the Nazi scientists after World War II. So they get some better technology. But then again, it, it... Gas was cheap. What do you want? It was not that good because the cliffhanger is that the 
the thing falls apart and Gung Ho and was it Flint? Yeah. Or was it yes, oh, Gung Ho and Shipwreck? Or was it Shipwreck? No, it was Shipwreck. It was Gung Ho, Gung, Gung Ho and Shipwreck. Shipwreck and Lady J, yeah. Fall into the crevasse. Yep. And that's your cliffhanger. <gasps> I guess they're dead. I mean, presume that would be the only thing that makes sense. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no way they're going to survive that fall. Maybe Pedo will help them. <laughs> Yojo. That's how chill Torpedo is. He doesn't even care that his nickname is Pedo. It's true. He owns you can it. call me whatever you want, man. I'm Blaze. <laughs> <laughs> so. You just gave me a $5 million submarine, and I am lit to the gills. All right, <laughs> man? The Palace of Doom. Revenge of Cobra Part 3. We have two more parts uh, in this miniseries. Uh, so we'll bring you part four next week. Ron, are you hanging out or are you heading out? I, I am not. I'm going to head out. I'm going to let you guys take it home. Enjoy. Yo, Joe. Bye. Bye. Yo, Joe. So let's do uh, some emails, Josh. We have been neglecting them. These. Uh, let's do Keith H., who says, been thinking about this for 300 days. Mm-hmm. Had a question for Josh. I remember him saying he wasn't all about the Injustice comic book series by Tom Taylor. I believe he alluded because it was based on a video game. I personally loved this Elseworlds-like series for a number of reasons, like a Civil War-like split down the middle, friend becomes foe, you never knew who's going to die, etc. Then along comes Deceased by Tom Taylor with plot lines where friend becomes undead foe and you never knew who's going to die, etc. Pick of the week, adoration, love. So my question is, given the times, is Josh willing to give this Injustice book a shot, especially with a recommendation from a random listener? What say you, good sir? All right, first of all, I resent this, Keith. <laughs> I'm trying to do a show for people, and then you come and you use my own words against me, and you, you think, I get it, you think you're smarter than me. You think, wait, Josh, you're a hypocrite. And here's the thing, here's where you're going to start. Yeah, I am. I don't always make good judgments. I have to make snap judgments on things, and that will depend on a lot of things. In a given day, what happened in the morning, what, you know, what's going on at work, what I was in the mood for then. I don't think that I would have just not liked something because it was based on a video game. Well, I think we, that would have colored our interest in it because generally speaking, we're not interested in licensed property books even if they are you know, DC and Marvel. It's a context clue, but it doesn't mean that I won't try something because sometimes I will see the name of somebody I like on one of those properties and I'm like, all right, let me try this and see if they you know, uh, uh, got out of the trough that that created. I may just not have been ready for it, but I know it went on for a while. Well, here's the deal. This email came in and so I looked... On Comixology, there is a volume called Injustice colon Gods Among Us colon Year One dash The Complete Collection. And it's the entire series from Tom Taylor, Mike S. Miller, Bruno Redondo, Bruno Ricondo. Oh, wow. I have downloaded it. I am not against reading it, and I, I assume that I will like it more than I thought I would have. I think I can fairly say that. Unless maybe it wasn't as good back then, but we won't know. Am I going to read that with my copious absence of free time? Not likely, but I'm going to put it on the I'm going to put it on the device. We'll take a look. I'm not against that idea. I'll say it's a possible future book explode. I'll okay. just say that. That's I think that's fair. How big how long is it? 425 pages. That's why it's a possible future one. I do know that if you start I, I just as a as a basic the the cover just shows Superman and Batman going after each other, and I tend to not like that as a concept. In this, it worked because, you know, like, there was a sense they were all trying to avoid, and then one of, when they finally got it, you know, it was kind of heartbreaking and whatever, and they didn't want to fight each other. I think I probably assumed that this was more like 
you know, they're all fighting each other because of some other reason. Yeah, um, I mean, the I don't we, we haven't read it yet, so I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's yeah. a one to one comparison to deceased. Deceased, there's an external f- thing that makes the the f- heroes fighting the heroes a tragic thing as opposed to what you know. But we'll find out. We haven't read it, so I don't know. I'll check it out eventually. I have liked Tom Taylor a lot. I was gonna say, I you absolutely have to give Tom Taylor the retroactive benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. I've downloaded it. I've looked at it. You never know. But I mean, yes, past me is an idiot. Sometimes present me is an idiot. What do you want? <laughs> what do you want from me? James V from Calgary, Canada. With no new weekly comics to read while in isolation, I finally decided to tackle some acclaimed graphic novels I had picked up over the years. And he has acclaimed in quotes. I started with Blankets, followed it with Box Office Poison, Mouse, Jimmy Corrigan, and Hark of Vagrant. Reading these works of art has really rekindled my love of the medium. I would love to hear what you guys think of any of these books, as well as pick your brain for any other recommendations. It's been a while since we talked about these books. We used to talk about Box Office Poison all the time. and mm-hmm. I would say Hark of Vagrant is not a graphic novel. I never read it. I'm familiar with it. That's Hark of Vagrant is a collection of webcomics. So oh, okay. it's, it's not a graphic novel. It's, a, it's like saying Calvin and Hobbes is a graphic novel. That's not a graphic novel. Fair enough. Not that it's not good. I, I've read it. It's very good, but it's just not a graphic novel. One of your all-time favorite books is Box Office Poison. It is. Um, it's actually right in front of me. It's sitting, it's sitting in front of me because I had just contacted its author and now my friend to see if he had any of those pages left because I thought somewhere those pages are sitting around and they would be pretty great on my wall because I still regard that, you know, we is top five we just talked about this in our hangout i think in one of yep. my top five favorite books every time i've read it and gone back to it i am impressed in some other way i think it is one of the finest examples of sort of personal real life storytelling of people sort of dealing with their lives and also alex is um he's a really underrated cartoonist he won an eisner for that book is you know talent deserving new recognition or whatever it was I, and i've never really found a thing that that is equal to it or that holds up that well, I guess. And he did lots of other books, too, but you sort of always love your first one. Um, and actually, you know, if you want a recommendation, Our Expanding Universe uh, was the sort of last full-length graphic novel he did, and I think it was ignored way too much, and it is excellent. It's about these same types of people a little later in life as, you know, like friends start to get torn apart rough, but that's kind of what happens. Drift apart. Yeah, because yeah, drift apart because, you know, some of them have kids and some of them don't, and what they do, and <laughs> I mean... There's a lot of me in that book, literally, and uh, specifically because Alex had been going through this with some of his friends, multiple of them. In fact, all of his best friends at the time had kids, and, and he doesn't, and, and he didn't. And so is a sort of older version of that. Box Office Poison, if you're not in your you know early mid-20s, it may not resonate with you as much, but this is sort of a, a slightly older version of that. That's a great recommendation if you haven't read it and you like that first book. And also, like, his cartooning he, he's, he's, he, he's become a really excellent cartoonist and sort of some of the sequences in there. Um, are are way above what you think you're going to be looking at uh, in terms of, you know, this kind of slice of life book. I guess mm-hmm. that's a good answer. I I don't love blankets. I, I remember thinking it was okay. I like it. I think it's very good. But I I thought I would like it more than I did. And part of it is that it's it's very sincere. It's like so sincere, and it's not really it's not terribly funny one way or the other. It's kind of a level, like, I just have a hard time, I had a hard time connecting with the characters, I think. Well, I remember having trouble because it seems to be very specifically about one person's struggling with their religious faith. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not something that's relevant to my life. So I, had, I, I struggled with connecting with it. I yeah. remember liking the, the art and enjoying reading yeah. it, but not really loving it as, as it was being loved by a lot of the other people at the time. Mouse, I mean, Mouse is a classic. 
It's an all-time great. Is a, yeah. yeah, it's an all-time great. Like, you you must read it. Got Jimmy Corrigan. I've never read Jimmy Corrigan. Really? No. It's it, uh, Chris Ware is a, you know, he's adored by, you know, the intellectual sort of side of comics. And there's a really good reason for it. It's very, very good. Is it very, very enjoyable? I don't know. But from a cartoonist drafting standpoint, it is incredibly impressive. I've seen Chris Ware original art and it blew my mind what that yeah. thing looked like. Yeah. All of the drafting and all the lettering and all the titles and everything. Like it's deceptive because the cartooning seems very simple. The Jimmy Corrigan character is very simple. Not unlike if we're talking about a stereos polyp and the way that sort of, you know, the main character is drawn in that. It's everything else that's going on around it. Jimmy Corrigan has a lot of heart. It's really sad. And it's beautiful, and I have read it a few times, and I have appreciated it more each time. But it is not like like a page turner, you know. Mm. It's not like oh man, I can't get to to the end of this. It is deserving of the accolades, but it's it's tough, is is what I think. I would recommend Asterius Polyp if he's looking for books yeah. like this. It's uh, David Mazzucchelli's masterpiece. We did a show on it a while ago, whenever it came out, however many years ago. It's an artistic tour de force. It's an emotional story about love. It's it's a great graphic novel and i would also go back a bit and recommend pedro and me which is mm. a judd winnick's autobiography about his fr- time not his time but his friendships with pedro zamora his castmate in the real world you don't have to know anything about the real world to enjoy the book it's about friendship and tragedy it's a terrific graphic novel judd's a wonderful cartoonist the only one i think of this is a definite blast from the past is there's a, a british cartoonist and writer called andy watson andy with an i yep. Um, and he did a handful of sort of slice of life books, and I, I enjoyed every single one of them. I haven't read them in a while, but I always really like those books. They're a little more of a British sensibility, but sort of in the vein of this stuff. Again, sort of deceptively simple cartooning, but you know, real people uh, dealing with stuff. I so there you that. go. There's some books for you. Check them out, James. I would also, if you're listening and you want to tell us in the comments, like, is there anything like that? I haven't come across anything like that in a really long time, and I love that genre, but I feel very ignorant to it right now, or if it even exists, or who's publishing that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be uh, top shelf, and you know, at least to be Oni too, but I don't think that, that them anymore. But you don't have big releases if they're coming out; they're not big, but they're also not lauded, which I don't think anything is like. like you know, it used to be like, remember the Black Sad book came out and yep. everybody was like, holy cow, or, or when Asterius Polyp came out. And now I don't, that never seems to happen anymore. Right. Where like, everybody is like, did you see this work? I think I want to say the last one would have been um, Tale of Sand, you know, uh, Ramon Perez's book, which isn't really right. a slice of life thing. But, you know, like the thing that, that like all of the cartoonists and artists and writers and comics were like this, you have to get this. That hasn't happened in a long time, right. as, I, as far as I can tell. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's where you can write us in, like James and Keith. And uh, we'll get to more emails next week. Let's wrap this show up. Let us be done with it. I've been talking to you about this talk split with Kelly Thompson. And it's it's his second part. And I did it. I recorded it again. So, all right. So, here's my, here's my waffly bit. It's possible that it will already be on the feed when you listen to this. But if it isn't, then it will be soon. Right. But it exists, and you will hear it. Either it's already in the feed, or you'll hear it probably this week. Yeah. I had another conversation with her, uh, a totally different conversation than the last one, but I actually think it was better, uh, is what I think. You're not going to lose that on anything like that. And she made me promise to burn the initial recording, because she's like, I don't want to just hear myself talking to myself for an hour, or have anybody else hear that. And I said, that's valid. 
that's valid. I really liked her, and it was a fun conversation, and uh, I, I might even have her back sometime, so that was really good. Uh, we do have a books below in the offing. We chose a very long and very <laughs> dense book, and so it's taking us longer. And I, I want to, so the, the book is Jack Kirby's New Gods, is sort of the complete volume of it, and, I, and I, I, I do not mean to suggest in any way that it is not good or it is a plod, but uh, it takes, it's dense. It takes a long time, and you can kind of only deal with so much at a given it's, point. It's tiring. I read a couple of issues. Yeah. A couple days ago, and I had to take a break as opposed to normally yeah. I plow through. It's just because there's a lot, there's, and there's a lot. It's good, but it's just like, whoo, I gotta. Jack did not half ass this in any way whatsoever. It may take a while for that one to come out, but we also just did basically five books blows in a row. So I'm not stressing over that one coming out later. Yeah, and and you want us to, you don't want yeah. us to like rush it and then not be able to talk about it because we, I'm very excited to talk about it. The Animation Brain Trust, who are some group of people somehow affiliated with this site that I'm not fully aware of, yeah. I, I guess Connor deals with it. They're going to be doing Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which I guess that's out soon. Is that the title? That's I know I wrote, wrote it in the script, but I think I think I just wrote what I thought was the title. Uh, no, it's out. I've I watched it. Oh, okay, we're going to record it. It is Apocalypse War. We are going to record it very soon and get it out to you very soon but we're, we're we're actually emailing about scheduling it right now so it'll be coming I do have a soon. question yeah what sort of voice did they use for Constantine it's the same guy for the TV show from the live action show oh no shit okay. Matt Ryan has a lockdown on that character that's probably a good idea yeah so there you go so head over to ifanboy.com that's where you'll find all of our shows you can find what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy following at ifanboy on twitter at ifanboy comics on instagram which, which also has the best of the week in panels feature also youtube.com slash ifanboy that's where you can find all the old video show uploads that are happening plus we've been uploading this weekly show as well if you want to watch listen through your television as some do and individually we are cs kilpatrick on instagram J. A. flanagan on instagram and on a twitter break and Ron XO on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, so if you like this show, you can write us a review or leave a star rating over on Apple Podcasts. Better yet, tell your friends about it. Go to social media, spread the spread the word, to tell people about stuff you like, things you enjoy. You know some G.I. Joe fan that, that, oh man, he loves those cartoons, doesn't really like comic books, but I bet he'll enjoy this. You just give it to them with the timestamp so that they don't have mm-hmm. to listen to all of other nonsense. Or not. Or do it for other people. You know, tell other people about shows they might like. Talk about what shows you're listening to and enjoying. Put links up to those people. Support the shows that you like. The stuff that's getting you through. And, and, and you know, let the podcasters, the content creators know. I find that is really helpful. And maybe you will uh, you'll touch somebody that didn't know that somebody was enjoying something in the way that they are. So never, never don't do that. I, I don't think... I don't think that harms anybody. So uh, thanks to everybody who did it to us, and I always try to make sure to do that with other shows that I love. And that will do. Thanks, Ron, for coming on. He really, he, he has twin babies. So <laughs> the fact the fact that he can speak at all right. is really, and he's actually quite highly functional, it turns out. Well, cocaine's powerful. Wow. I don't know. Look, what, look what you've done. <laughs> well, that's the show. <laughs> I've lost... I've lost it. Yeah. I got woke up this morning at 5 o'clock in the morning by somebody hammering outside. That's too early to be hammered. For like three minutes and they stopped, but I was awake, so fuck them. Finish it up. Say your name. <laughs> I'm Connor. I'm Josh. There we go. Stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Stay away from people. Take care of yourself. Be well. Don't go crazy. Uh, love your family. All of that stuff. And thanks for listening so much. Come